All right, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that your word to us uh, is powerful and that um, it's an incorruptible seed that grows up to life eternal, um, pure milk for us to be able to understand and mostly that um, we would feed from you so that we would grow in regard to righteousness. So please help us, Lord, today to learn from you, to um, be humble under your word, and to grow. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, this passage today is, uh, it's not easy, but it's very clear. Uh, Today we're going to read the end of chapter one and into the beginning of chapter two. And it's very clear because it's just totally full of metaphors. It's a great way for us to be able to learn. The Lord has blessed us to be able to show us um, about his word today, uh, particularly Sorry, I guess we lost it here. But his word is compared directly to uh, an incorruptible seed. So it's like seed. And it's also uh, pure milk for us. Um, Now, when we think about these kind of metaphors, we don't want to have, you can't, you don't want to think of this in a humanistic way. All right, the reason that all of these, uh, in Jesus' parables or in these metaphors, these are always perfect Uh, at explaining to us so that we can understand, not because for some reason um, God, well, he was thinking, okay, what's the best way? If I'm gonna teach about myself, he's not looking around thinking, okay, what's the thing that's most like the word so that I can pick out that thing and then it'll be a good representation for them. It's not that at all. Remember that the Lord isn't, isn't bound by the things that are created like us. We have to look around in creation but he creates all of these things that we see are perfect representations of spiritual truths because he created them. These are, the things that we see are the reflections of the truth, right? Whenever he speaks, uh, he, so for instance, we know that in heaven, he will be our light. We have no more need for light. He created light, though, so that we would be able to understand him. We have the sun so that we can understand him. Spiritually, he is the reality. He is the light. And we have things that allow us to understand what light is. He is um, our spiritual bread. Jesus Christ is our bread. And we understand that because he has also given us these things that are metaphors for us, but th- these are the reflections of him as the ultimate truth. And so we're able to understand today in this passage because he shows us through things that we can understand because we see them physically, we can understand these truths. So let's read our passage together today. First Peter 1, 22 through chapter two, verse three. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So this passage is about sanctification. Um, so just remember from previously what the Lord has uh, shown us, what he's been teaching us. Remember the very first week when we talked about um, his introduction, he talked about who we are. And who we are are those who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. The Father has chosen us and the Spirit sanctifies us. He makes us holy and he does this for a purpose, that we would be obedient to Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And so having this precious gospel then, he has given us uh, his gospel, this word that he spoke. Last week we talked about the word that, uh, that, that even angels long to look into, that the prophets desire, and all of these these amazing things, having these precious gospel truths that even angels and prophets want to hear, we need to prepare our minds for action, keeping sober in spirit, fixing our hopes completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then as obedient children, we're not to be conformed to the former lusts, but to be holy. Remember that we're born again. Last time we talked about this, about the truth he's teaching us, that we are born again of a father because we live, a spiritual truth is that we live in the way of our father. Before in, in death, in the way of our forefathers, we lived our feudal life and that's all we could live because we are born of our fathers and our forefathers live this feudal life that's separate from God. But because we're born again, now we have been brought into holiness. We've been separated from the world, and now we can live in salvation. We're looking forward to salvation, but understanding who Christ is, we now have uh, as our father one who has transformed us. Right? And so, therefore, that calls us to do something. We're, we're girding up the loins of our mind. Remember, we're tra- our minds are transformed so that we can know who he is and do something out of that. We live like what he's created us to be. That spiritual reality of that new birth means that now we live as obedient children. We live as children of God. And so now what he's doing is calling us in this, in this passage to the next thing and what this, what this means for us. Because we have, in obedience to the truth, purified our souls. Now what does that mean? What does it mean that in obedience to the truth we have purified our souls? Well, remember, this is about sanctification. We saw at the beginning that it's God who purifies our souls Right? He has called us, the Father called us, and the Spirit is the one who sanctifies us by the sprinkling of blood. Jesus Christ's blood purifies us. So that's the work of God, right? Yes, it is. But sanctification is not the same as justification. Okay, We can't, we can't forget this. This has to be burned into our minds to understand the work, how God works in us. When he calls us as new and transforms us, regenerates us, we don't have any choice in that. We don't make any contributions. Any more than you being born, you made any contribution to yourself being born. You made no contribution to that at all. You were regenerated by the powerful work of God when you were born of him. But now what happens is that we are called by the gospel and we're called to actually respond to that gospel. And it's in that response to the truth, in the obedience of the truth, 
Remember last week we talked about being called as children. Now what are we to do? We are to live as obedient children. And so now we cooperate with the Spirit in our sanctification. Now, of course, is the basis of all that without the work of the Spirit. It's not like we're bringing independently. When we talk about uh, cooperating with the Spirit, we're not saying that the Spirit does 50% and we do 50% and then we kind of blend it together and then we have enough, right? That's not what we mean by cooperation. What we mean is that the Holy Spirit does the work that we can't possibly do. There's nothing we can do to sanctify ourselves apart from the work of the Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit works in us for our salvation, we work out our salvation. It's not passive. Our uh, obedience is not passive. We don't just wait around and wait until some transformation happens and boom, wow, now I'm, now I'm to- changed. And No, instead, whenever the Holy Spirit works in us, we work out that salvation. And that working out of this salvation, particularly in this passage, does something very important. It purifies us. Um, so in the Old Testament, the, there were, uh, in the sacri- sacrificial system or in the ceremonial law, there were three different states that you could be in. So you could be unclean. So various things happened to you in such a way that you were unclean. But if you purified yourself, then you became clean. So through various types of offerings or ceremonial things that happen, you would be purified to become clean. And once something was clean, then certain things could, by other sacrifices, be made holy. So the, the idea of being clean is to be ready to enter into worship. In order to enter into the temple, you had to be clean. And that's what we have here. This is not purification. In obedience to the truth in this purification, it doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? As we'll see just in a couple verses from now. We haven't reached this perfection, but rather we're set aside through not any longer ceremonial things, not because we killed a goat and sprinkled blood, but rather because of spiritual things, because Jesus Christ himself through the sprinkling of his blood has prepared us so that now we are pure and as children of God purified for what? Well, if we're all children of God, now we're purified so that we can love each other as brothers. Okay, and that's the focus of today. Up to this point, we've talked about God as our father. He is our father, but that has a huge implication for us because if God's your father and God's my father, then we're brothers. And now what that means is that through this purification, because in obedience to the gospel, we have come to God as father, now we are prepared, we're purified for a sincere love for each other. Not a hypocritical love, You'll find a lot of hypocritical love all over the world, right? What's the difference between sincere love and hypocritical love? And this isn't just a a, a, a rhetorical question, Uh, but what is the difference between pretend love or hypocritical love and genuine love? What are some ways that the Bible describes our love for each other? What is love? Sorry? Patience. Patience, yeah, so patience with each other. 
Yes, to lay down your life for your friends. So to consider others more important than yourself. What are some other descriptors or what are some of the other ways that the Bible teaches particularly that we should love each other? It's not just, just a feeling, although it is a feeling as well, a feeling of affection. But what are, the, what are the other ways that we're called to live with one another in love? Good to serve each other. I can just read them on down for you. I've got minutes, yeah. Good, kindness. We aren't envious of each other. We don't boast, that's right. Good, to encourage, to build each other up. Very good. What else? Yes, to, so from Galatians, to bear one another's burdens, and particularly what's, what's the context there and how do we bear one another's burdens? By confession of sin to one another, so we bear one another when we restore each other. What are other ways that we love each other? Good, to pray for each other. I'll run down through John 13, 34, love one another as Christ loved us. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another, give preference to one another in honor. Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Romans 13, 8, do not, do not owe each other anything but love. Do not judge one another, but rather determine not to put a stumbling block in, one another, in a brother's way. Pursue peace and build one another up. Accept one another admonish one another. Don't be divided, but have the same care for one another. Serve one another, restore one another. Patience, have tolerance for one another. Speak the truth to one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Regard one another as more important than ourselves. We're to bear with one another, we're to teach and admonish one another, to comfort one another, to encourage and build one another up, to live in peace with one another, to seek what is good for another, to stimulate one another toward love and good deeds, to pray for one another, to be hospitable to one another, to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. All of these things, these are the ways that we love one another in in ways that are unfeigned, right? We're not pretending. But to live this way is to live in true love for one another. And, And that's what we have been purified. Through obedience to the gospel, we have been purified to do that. Now, in this passage, though, we haven't actually gotten to the command yet. We've been purified for a genuine love for each other, but what's the command now? Therefore, what? Fervently love one another from the heart. And this is the nature of sanctification. Because you've been prepared to love one another, love one another fervently to grow in love for one another. If we're called to love one another, then we need to continue to grow. And, and it's very easy to, to settle into a place where we um, take one another for granted, where we love one another, um, and, and sincerely, but now we're to grow fervent in our love. So what are some synonyms for fervent? What does that mean that we fervently love one another? Yeah, an extreme love for one another. 
Now, what is going to get us to have that kind of exceeding love for one another? The, the Lord tells us that we have to understand what has happened to us here. Um, he gives us a, a why. Why should we love one another fervently? For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This, we're not, you know, I love watching flower. I love cut flowers, but I'm kind of weird this way. I really like to see them when they just start to die a little bit because it reminds me of this. Um, I don't like to get rid of flowers like as soon as they turn a little bit because this is a reminder. And, and the reminder is that there are things that we see that are not important, really, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, the things that we see are the things that fade. We know that they're, although they're beautiful now, they're gonna fall off. But why are we to love one another? What kind of seed are we born of? Are we born of a seed that's simply going to corrupt and disappear? No. Guess what, everybody? We're in it for the long haul. We're not here to love each other for this lifetime. And by we, I mean like the actual people in this room, not the generic Christian we, but we are incorruptible. That is going to change the way that you love somebody. When you think of the fact that they are incorruptible, sure, the flower fades. I mean, I'm not as beautiful as I was the day Emily married me, but (laughs) I'm not going to fade away for good. I'm going to live forever right? And so are you. And what this is pushing us to, this flower, the word that God preached to us, this word that was preached has transformed us so that now we are incorruptible. And so the love that we have to have for each other is also incorruptible. So let's go back through those different ways, some of the different ways that we mentioned that we need to love each other. And let's think about how those change in your mind whenever you're looking at somebody who is incorruptible. For instance, let's say we're supposed to love one another through forgiving one another. Okay, I can see it's important to forgive one another because, you know, we're gonna have to get along, right? I need to, you know, if there's an offense, we need to make sure that, you know, we're, we're gonna be working side by side here in the church, we're gonna see each other, we don't want it to be awkward, it's good to forgive each other. That's, that's genuine. Now, why is it important to forgive one another if we're all born of incorruptible seed? We're going to be in heaven together, right? That's why. We're going to be in heaven together. A true fervent forgiveness of one another is essential because we live forever How are we gonna care for one another? Whenever we're commanded to care for one another, if we just look at the corruptible, then what do we do? Well, we'll take care, other people have needs and their needs are are important. Maybe, uh, you know, we have a a leaky faucet in someone's house. That's, we should take care of that. Why? Because it's something that would be able to benefit them now. But ultimately, 
they're incorruptible people. This is forever. This is just the beginning. This is the beginning. This is the opening stage of life together. And it seems long to us, but it's not. It's very short. And so every time, everything that we do individually that it allows us to love one another for now is something that is going to uh, affect us for eternity. So how can we love each other? What, what can we do to love one another now? As, as you look at one another, uh, we can think about the, the fervency of the fact that we have, um, we have souls all around us as well that also need loved. I mean, it's, this doesn't apply only to us right here in this room. But we need to preach the word. This word is incorruptible. It's an incorruptible seed that we have. We have something that is a treasure. We talked about last time that prophets wanted to look into it. Even the Holy Spirit himself came from heaven. And we have this seed that we need to be able to broadcast. Because how, uh, this, how did this come to us? It came to us through the preaching of the word. This was the word that was preached to us. And so how can someone believe if they don't hear? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? This is the the word that we have, this seed is, um, will grow up to eternal life. It's not something just for now, although of course it affects us now, and of course we're transformed now, but it's not just for now, it's for eternity. And so the the word that God has given us is uh, the blessing of life right now. Uh, in, in now, but uh, also into the future uh, for eternity. But it's not only a seed that through which we're born again. The Holy Spirit also teaches us that we're, it continues to be essential for us, right? It continues to be essential for us because after we're born again, that seed, the, the word's not unimportant, just the opposite, right? It is the pure milk of the word that feeds us, um, this is, this is a command that we have now. The command of this passage is that we desire pure milk. Any, anyone ever, is, I've heard that babies really desire milk, newborn babies, is that true? Anyone ever have that experience? I'm, sometimes I think they like it a little bit. Or sometimes they'll, they're like, well, maybe, maybe not, you know. No, I've, I've, heard newborn babies, it seems like they really desire the pure milk, right? Because it's, it's their substance. Now, what about us? Do, do we look at the word together as, do we look at the word as newborns? Because if this word is the seed by which we have been born again, we're now born as newborn babes, and what do we desire? If we're incorruptible, we don't desire the things of this world. What do we desire? We desire things that are incorruptible, the things that will never fade away. And that's the word of God. The word of God is powerful to be able to give us exactly what we need. If we've purified ourselves in obedience to the word so that we can be brothers and sisters together here, then that doesn't mean that there is no ongoing work for us though, right? There is a time now for putting aside in this sanctification, since this is all about our sanctification. Remember that sanctification is always this process of putting off something and putting on something new, putting off the old and putting on something new, 
Okay, so although it's true that we have been purified, we've been cleansed to enter into true fellowship with one another and to fervently love each other, we still have to put off, put aside all malice and deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now this teaches us something. It teaches us that this is really present. This isn't something that is out there. That's something that's here in this room. Now, um, the, you know, I praise God for our pastors because we do have a truly loving family. I, I just as a, as a body, we have a truly loving family. And one of the large reasons for that is because our pastors particularly are very willing to make sure that anytime they see this, they're good guardians and shepherds. And these things are so dangerous to the flock that they uh, are always on the watch out for it and always um, uh, disciplining all of these because this is, these are things that grow up in, inside all of us. But you'll notice that this isn't a command for our shepherds to put aside these things. This is a command for us because the first level of discipline before there's any, any time it reaches to pastors or elders, the first level of discipline is actually the word of God itself. As the word of God is preached, the word of God is, um, convicts us of sin and we are to put aside these things or to put aside um, deceit. It's very easy to lie to one another here. Right, it's in little things, in little ways, but that's where it spreads out. It spreads out through hypocrisies and lies where we pretend like we're something we're not, where we uh, tell each other small things that, or where do slander, where does slander start? It doesn't start verbally. It starts in the mind, right? It starts in your mind, and these things are things that destroy the church. Uh, one of the most uh, uh, stringent commandments to, that the Apostle Paul gave to Titus was that you should warn a divisive man once and a second time and then be done because division is absolutely destructive to the church and we know what the church is, right? The church is the body of Christ. The church now we have been born again and we are alive together and there is no room for slander, there is no room for any kind of hypocrisy and especially for envy. Envy creeps up in the church very subtly, right? And why is that? It's because we see the beautiful things that God is doing in other people. This is, this is a place that can be a real temptation for envy because whenever you see the amazing things that God does, it's very easy to, instead of praising God for those things, to turn and say, I want those things. Why don't I have those things? And envy will destroy our church. Slander will destroy our church. And we don't want to pretend like it won't. We don't want to pretend like it's not here. Right? We, we are the children of God, but we are to put aside these things. But again, he gives us a way to do it. We don't have to do this on our own. What's the way that he has given us to do it? That as we put aside the old things, that we take on the new things, as we put aside these, uh, the hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babes, we long for the pure milk of the word because through it, God will help us to grow. 
that will grow up into salvation. Okay, as we've said before, remember salvation is, is uh, sometimes in the Bible uh, talked about something that happened in the past, sometimes something that's happening to us right now, and sometimes it's something that will happen in the future. And that's because the whole process, salvation is a process. Our justification is an event, right? It's a declaration of God, that God declares us to be uh, right in right relationship with him. And at that point, we are saved. We've been saved. But in our sanctification, what's happening is that we are in the process of being transformed, that we're growing up into the salvation that Peter is talking about. Peter, throughout his book, we said, you know, in the future, Jesus Christ will appear to us, and when he appears, then we will, our salvation will be complete. But where are we now? we're growing up into salvation. Because although we are new, newborn babes and although we desire this milk, what do we desire it for? So that we'll grow up. So that we'll be able to put aside all of these things and instead be able to truly love one another. Right, that's, that's what we're called to do as we truly love one another we're able to do this because we're being fed by this good pure milk. Um, Now, what I wanted to spend uh, a lot of time in doing today is actually, though, to use the very last thing that he gives us, the last benefit that he gives us um, to be able to grow into salvation. Um, Babies really desire that pure milk because it's good, right? He hasn't given us something that's bad. He's given us his word, which is good. And we can grow up into it if we have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So how have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? Anyone who's tasted the kindness of the Lord desires pure milk. So I wanted to take a time for just some testimony of the way that God has, um, the ways that you've tasted the kindness of the Lord because he has been so kind to us. There's no better time than Christmas to talk about the kindnesses of the Lord. So in what ways has the, have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? By guiding us to good churches that helped us grow in him. Yeah, very good. Anne says uh, by just the, the kindness of taking... Uh, Anna Frank to different church, to churches that have helped them to grow. And that's a kindness that he's put us all in the place where we can grow. What else? How else have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? Through the discipline of pastors and elders, just as it says in Hebrews 12, that the loving father disciplines his, his own children. Yeah, the, dis- the love of discipline, although it's not pleasant at the time, it's good and it gives a harvest of righteousness. How else have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? By giving me good parents and good role models. Yes, he's, by, so many of us have had good parents and good role models and those who have taught us. Um, you know, I don't think that I would be uh, a, a believer if it weren't for my parents. I mean, my parents trained me, they raised me up in righteousness, they, they, taught me and helped me, and that was the kindness of the Lord. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He. Yeah, he provides us, you know, the people that we kind of least expect sometimes. Maybe it's someone that we work with or other people that he puts in our lives for very short times. Some of the people who've had the biggest impacts on my life have been there for just very short times. And they're but just enough to, to, so that we can taste the kindness of the Lord. He has never let us go for a minute. Even when we feel like we're drifting or we don't know, he still brings in people just at the right time. Joyce. Yeah, it's the living word, right? That's, it, is, it is the living word. It, it lives and gives us life. And we have such easy access to it. Yeah, I mean, compared to in generations past, you know, it's so easy for us. And that's a kindness of the Lord. Caitlin. Yeah, the kindness of, um, of having children. It is such a kindness to be able to, just, you know, the, just joy, just being able to see them laugh, it brings such joy, but also the sanctification that comes through it. That's the kindness of the Lord. You know, I love that passage in Paul where he says, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him mm-hmm. against that day. And he's, of course, he's talking about his life you know, that's, that's a great feeling for you when you get older, especially. Mm. And he was writing up that context, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the fact that he has um, given us faith, but not only that, that, he has, that he's keeping it for us against that day so that we can look and trust as, as we grow older. Yeah, Don. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it is a real blessing to be able to uh, just have all those around us, whether it's in a larger group like this or in our own small group, whatever it is, uh, that we're able to, to understand and to have uh, the blessing of, of Christ through the, our small groups. Yeah, his constant revelation to us. Even when we feel dry, when we don't uh, have our own, uh, and we don't feel like we have any of our own strength, he'll reveal himself to us in so many ways, sometimes real directly. What else? How, have, how else have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? Ben. Yeah, the way that he works in our children so that we can see them being transformed, that's a kindness of the Lord because we don't deserve that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's, that's what all of this is about, right? These kindnesses, as we taste and see these kindnesses, we desire that pure milk, right? How's that newborn baby grow? Uh, 
You know, one feeding and then all of a sudden they're five feet tall, right? No, that's not the way it works. Instead, it's a constant growth, it's constant desiring after this pure, uh, pure milk of the word because through that beautiful and through that kindness, that uh, loving kindness, he helps us to see those small growths all the time. And that, that's a kindness that he allows us to see that. It does seem pretty slow sometimes and it sometimes feels discouraging, but so many times he's so kind and he does reveal to us what he's doing. What other kindnesses of the Lord? This is a chance for testimony. We don't have enough time for testimony. God's answers to prayers, even the prayers that we think are too little, too insignificant uh, to even bother God with, he is pleased to answer. Yeah, there's never, there's no prayer that is too small, right? The Lord hears our prayer and he loves us and he answers those prayers. Well, this, this week, then, my encouragement to you as you're, as you're uh, looking to the word, it's been preached to us, uh, and that preaching of the word is beautiful in so many ways, but these two ways particularly, that it is an incorruptible seed. We are incorruptible now. We, although our bodies will pass away, although we will fade away on the outside, in ter- on the inside, in our inner man, will never fade away. So therefore, what? love one another. We have to love one another deeply from the heart because this incorruptible word has transformed us so that we can walk before each other, we can put off slander and malice and uh, discontent and all all of those things, but instead to be uh, kind to one another, not only for today, but the kindnesses that we show one another are for eternity because we are incorruptible. So that incorruptible word, and also that it is uh, pure good milk. And that pure good milk of the word will feed you as long as you continue to, um, to desire that milk. And how, what can we do to be equipped so that we desire that milk? Keep thinking back on all those kindnesses. You know, hear all the testimonies of people today that we just talked through and think about the kindnesses. Meditate on the, own, on the kindnesses that God has shown you so that as you uh, seek him, that you'll continue to desire even more and more to see that work in, in you. So let's, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that in your uh, kindness to us, you have shown us mercy through the preaching of the word, through the um, suffering of the apostle Peter and through um, the, the work of uh, your evangelists throughout the years, the work of your pastors and uh, the people that you have called Uh, to proclaim your word, who have loved your word. Lord, I thank you for them, and I thank you that in our hearts you have uh, cast this seed that is incorruptible, and that even while we watch the flowers fade away, even as we watch um, as as we uh, decay, Lord, I pray that you would please help us to remember that we uh, you have given us new life in your Son, so that we can love one another. We thank you for the good uh, word that you have given to us, and pray that you would help us to continue to z- desire it. It's so easy for us to take it for granted, Lord, but you have shown us kindness after kindness. You've shown us uh, your love and you have, especially in your word, um, given us all that we need. We, we don't have need for other things, uh, but for your word so that we would be f- 
truly sustained. We pray uh, that this week we would go forward um, loving your word more deeply and coming to you uh, and greatly desiring it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.